Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the Blog Talk Radio Barbershop Window Podcast. Um, it's very good to have everyone, all the live listeners, uh, and uh, we'll be bringing you some wrestling talk today, believe it or not. Uh, I think we're definitely going to have to hit upon the UFC event on Saturday. Um, it's interesting how those two worlds, like professional wrestling and the UFC in general, really... Um, Uh, similar, if not, you know, the the same fan base. Uh, there seems to be a lot of congruence there. I I'm, I I don't know why. I mean, the obvious one, it's like two violent sports, but I think that fans of, you know, like boxing and pro wrestling, they were never, like, really shared a similar fan base. Um and he had all, like, for boxing, of course. I mean, Ali was obviously the most recognizable champion boxer. I mean, it's personalities in boxing. Uh, Mike Tyson, you know, is, has as a huge fan of the WWE, has appeared at WrestleManias. Um, but I don't think those two audiences for boxing and pro wrestling were you know, completely similar. I don't, I don't. I know they didn't really compete with pay-per-view buys or compete with talent ever. But it's just interesting how we're seeing this confluence now. Um, uh, I don't know why. Maybe my co-host uh, JB has uh, a thing or two to say about this. And uh, in in that, uh, it'd be apropos to introduce that co-host. Right now, uh, who I believe is on the line, JB, are you there? Yes, Shane, I am here. Oh, this is fabulous news. Now I have to do uh, before we actually talk about anything substantial or start the show. Of course, I have to do the mic check. Uh, how am I sounding, JB? You sound very good. Uh, I assume I I sound very good for now until I uh, lose focus and, and somehow ruin my audio like I do every week. Yeah, well, that first sentence actually sounded like shit. So so maybe oh, you've already... Well, yeah, yeah, so we're ahead of the game. But uh, I think the last sentence, whatever you did there, you made a physical adjustment, um, is sounding good. So I, I think... Okay. I think uh, yeah, I think we're good. Um, but JB, I couldn't. I'm I'm starting on a little different connection. I'm doing a direct connect through my computer, like like almost like a Skype connection. So I'm trying out something different. So my mic check was uh very appropriate tonight. But I'm I'm glad everything is sounding good. Believe it or not, or not uh, audience, me and JB are not professional uh, podcasters. Um, so we're just putting this together for your listening pleasure. We're professional losers in the sense that we spend a lot of money and time uh, on the the field of of wrestling. So so I guess, suppose that would put us in that category of uh, uh, you know being more than amateurs. But uh, we are not professional podcasters. 
uh, sorry to everyone's disappointment. Uh, we'll try to keep up with the production uh, soon. Like I, I like to play a song in the beginning, uh, which is the Wale uh, freestyle over the Razor's Ramon theme music, which is just awesome. I suggest everyone to to look it up, but I, I didn't get to do that this time. And I went straight out of the gate. I went uh, straight to the hot ticket, and I was just sort of thinking about... Like, why is there so much congruence between these two audiences? When combat sport has existed for a long time, if you want to say boxing, kickboxing, you know. And there was never, I don't think ever, like, that similar audience. Like, I don't think the people buying boxing pay-per-views were buying pro wrestling pay-per-views. And now it's this very similar audience. I think even before talent sharing, that's apparently, like, talent sharing being Brock Lesnar going back and forth. Now we see that joke of a man, uh, Philip Brooks, better known as CM Punk, uh, ready to get his face pounded in in a in an octagon. Like, like, why do you suppose those audiences are so similar? I mean, is it just the the, the violence aspect? Like, I never really thought about it. You know what? I never, I honestly never saw a connection either between the two um, until maybe like the past few months. Um, I mean, I remember we were talking maybe, I don't know, three, four months ago back, uh, I think, you know, you started talking about it with Lesnar's contract situation and how there was that push and pull between UFC and WWE and how they, they do compete for talent to some degree, which I never really acknowledged, but it is somewhat true. And then there are guys who are really over in UFC, such as the guy who was the main eventer on Saturday. Conor McGregor, who have a very pro wrestling type vibe, and um, and and so there, I think there was there's totally that there, and then there's also business end of things where, like the way you know UFC books big matches is extremely similar to the way WWE does. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's a fake or a real fight; it's uh, it's all about drawing money, and you know how do I set up the card so I can throw money and then do I want to do, do I want to give this away right now? And then, uh, or, or do I want to save it for a bigger, you know, bigger card later down the road? Things like that. I mean, that's all very, uh, Congress to, to WWE. So, uh, I never really, never really thought about it until, yeah, I, I think when the, the Lesnar stuff came up is when I really started thinking about, it. I guess, CM Punk stuff too, I guess you could say. Uh, but, that's, I mean, that's where it started. And then um, definitely with the way the whole McGregor-Aldo fight went down and how, you know, the, 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 how important that was to their business to, that was, you know, this, this particular fight card, the July 4th, around July 4th show, is a huge card for USC. And they built this up to be a huge fight. And again, they had one of these injuries come up beforehand. And then they're scrambling to figure out how to put the show on and still, you know, still save that fight for later down the road. But, you know, they still have to have a great fight at this show. So it was, um, there was all sorts of things that were very similar to to how WWE runs their business. 
Yeah, no, good point. I mean, well, one of the things, I guess let's dive into this. I hate starting out this pro wrestling podcast with the UFC because I, I, with MMA in general, I have a very weird relationship as it relates to MMA. Um, maybe as dysfunctional as some of my real relationships with with females in real life. Uh, although that's a lofty goal to <laughs> aspire to, but but I think my relationship with the UFC sort of reaches that pinnacle that uh, uh, that supreme the Conor McGregor versus Chad Mendes. I'm an individual that I really maybe it's a reflection on my own personality. I'm 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 a you know, kind of a people pleaser type of person. Like I don't want to offend anyone anytime, uh, except when it's a close group of friends and and there's someone I can offend racially or, or you know, um, you know, I, I pick my spots um, for 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 those sort of uh, uh, take offending people. But I just that cocky personality immediately turns me off. Like I don't. Like like that um you know when you're when you're brash and bold like that I I immediately don't like you so obviously Conor McGregor completely rubs me the wrong way. I don't like Notre Dame. I don't like the stupid parade in March. Uh, I grew up around a lot of Irish people, like right off the boat. I don't know. They were just always in my life. And they're all like this Conor McGregor type. They're they're all very slick. They're very good with words. They can talk circles around you at the drop of a hat. And this is obviously where you see my, my racism coming as I generalize a whole population. But But there are some characteristics. And I just, you know, that immediately turns me off too. Uh, so Conor McGregor was on like my hated list going into this fight. He was a heel, like a heel in Shane's life, if there ever was one. And coming out of this match, I wouldn't say I'm a huge fan, but I did a big 180 on Conor McGregor. Uh, if there ever was a lesson in confidence, we had it that night. Like, boy, did we have it. Like, like I, I remember we were, we were, uh, believe it or not, we were watching it uh, live together. You were in a tropical island, uh, right, JB? <laughs> and somehow managed to uh, uh, find a feed to this. Uh, you, this took priority over a vacation with your family, I believe. Yeah, yeah. I decided to throw everything out the window in Bermuda. Uh, sure. And do everything I could to uh, establish my illegal feed in a foreign country right. uh, with poor Wi-Fi, and I got right. to enjoy. <laughs> I got to enjoy the last two fights. I didn't really watch the whole card, but the last two fights, which apparently was everything that everybody was talking about, and I really only wanted to see the last one. Although the second to last one was was pretty great too. Um, but. Um, yeah, I mean, I did a similar, I, I I did a similar turn with McGregor, although I think from a different place. Like I, I don't, I never minded the the brash uh, personality and all that. Um, you know, again, it's kind of again, it's like very similar to any you know wrestling type figure that 
got a brash personality and talks a lot of shit. Like it wasn't, it right, <laughs> didn't right. bother me all that much. Um, right. But uh, to, you know, to some degree, it was entertaining. I don't. I, I think there are people that like really mark out to it and think it's like the greatest thing ever. Which I, I'm not. I'm definitely not there either. But um, um, I thought the thing that turned me around was that. I thought that a lot of the guys, you know, he's been on a winning streak here for a while, and I thought that a lot of guys he fought were not necessarily all that great. Um, and this was definitely, you know, a, a big level up for him. And um, for me, uh, I was very impressed how he won the fight. Um, you know, I mean, there's a couple of things I guess you could say, like Mendez didn't have a full camp and all that. So, you know, um, maybe it wasn't that impressive. But um, I still thought it was impressive. Uh, and, um, for me, it kind of, I, I've thought this for a while in UFC, that MMA is a rare place where you can kind of start late in life or, you know, maybe he didn't start late in life, but he wasn't necessarily elite, elite young in life. I don't think, but you can, as if you put the work in and you work really, really hard and, you know, you, you you can get yourself to the elite level, which I don't think is true in a lot of sports, but I, I think it does come true very much so in UFC uh, or MMA, or, you know, either one. Um, so, and and I thought that that's, at the end of the day, that's that's what came out as, I mean, he, he's, you know, obviously great at hyping a fight, um, and he didn't get a, you know, a, a tomato can in this one, and uh, he, he won the fight. Um, convincingly. So uh, I thought it was impressive that he was able to do that, but it's not like unheard of in the sport. I've seen it before, like guys who just kind of decide that this is going to be their thing and they make it everything they, then they make everything they can out of it. So it's a really good point you just made, like really good point in terms of like, um, like it's funny with MMA cause it's like, yeah, you just made a good like. I'm sure these guys are pretty naturally talented, but it's a lot more about mentality. Like, if you're gonna go there and get willing to get punched in the face and literally have brain damage, I think that's indisputable. And like, be okay with it. Like, yeah, you you can crave a pat. Like, like if me Shane, I'm what like five ten, five eleven, um, a hundred seventy pounds. I could not play any professional sport, right? I mean, right. I just like, yeah, yeah. No, no, my my genetics are shit, thanks to my crappy parents that one day decided that it would be a good idea to have kids because two crappy people would somehow equal a, a non-crappy <laughs> person. No, I, I turned out just as crappy, and I can't play any sport. But there, if I had the pres- preservation Like, uh, you know, like Pete Rose wouldn't be one of these people, you know, he didn't really win the genetic lottery, but he was just like a hustler. I guess baseball, I mean, might lend itself that way, but I, I don't even think that anymore, right? Like, it's becoming such more um, just a competitive sport with, like, you know, serious athletes. Um, you know what I'm saying? There's a little more of a barometer there, but yeah, UFC is a sport that you can go into and really make something of your 
like, and you even see from time to time, like, um, these guys like, uh, Matt Mitrion, um, Brendan Schwab, uh, some other, like, athletes that kind of jump ship into UFC that haven't, you know, they get far practicing mixed martial arts, like, their entire life and just had, like, that desire and that courage and that perseverance to go just stick with mixed martial arts. So it's kind of only somewhere that your athleticism can take you. It's more about your willingness to learn and persevere. Yeah, I mean, I I totally agree with that. Um, with the Conor McGregor fight in particular, I mean, we talked about from the beginning, like uh, how yeah he landed some nice like body shots in the first round that might have helped to win McGregor. I don't think I think the Greg Mc, the Chad, you know, the Mendez not coming out of full camp. I think. And I think you can make the argument that Conor McGregor was, I mean, there have been tons of come from behind victories before. Tons of come from behind victories before in the UFC. Some really spectacular come from. I forget was losing every second of that fight. And everything that I predicted about that fight was true. I didn't make them on the air um, because last week you kind of rambled there at the end and didn't leave any room for me, if I remember correctly. But I remember um, I, I was saying, I remember thinking Chad Mendes, like the reach advantage that McGregor has, not going to matter. Chad Mendes is going to get inside. He's done it before and connect with some hot shots. And what happened? That happened, right? I also. I had said before that Chad Mendes, when he wants a takedown, he's going to get it. And that happened. Chad Mendes got the takedown whenever he wanted. I think some were stuffed, but every time Chad Mendes Mendes wanted to put McGregor on his back, he'd get it. I said that that Chad Mendes was going to have ground control. And he got it for the whole second round. He was just laying and praying on Conor McGregor, putting in work, smashing him. Conor McGregor throughout this whole fight, against what seemed like impossible as any other UFC fighter would have cracked. I'm convinced. Any other UFC fighter would have been cracked. The fight would have been... Conor McGregor never... In his mind, he was never losing this fight. And like, my point is, he was losing every second of this fight until the... T- and the ending just was so perfect, going back to that comparison to throw pro wrestling... I don't think it happened. I don't think it happened at all. But if somebody wanted to put forward a case, or if somebody wanted to talk that Mendes took a dive, I'd listen to that argument. Because it almost ended too perfectly and ended like so abruptly. The only thing that wasn't fake about that were those punches that Mendes ate. Everything was real about that. I mean, they really connected. Um... I just thought, yeah, I was just completely, um, and I mean, just like a lesson in cop, like he believes it, and he, God, did he like make it happen? Um, I just thorough, once again, you know, just thoroughly impressed with uh, Conor McGregor. Um, what do you think, JB? Well, it was, it was impressive also because you you almost got the feeling that the 
I mean, the crowd was so rabid that, I mean, it really added a lot of atmosphere to the fight, but you also got the feeling that he was feeding off the crowd and it was helping him get through some of the tougher moments in that fight for him. And, um, and certainly helped the whole confidence aspect you were talking about. Uh, yeah. I think, yeah, more interestingly, like talking about whether, you know, it could be a work or not. I mean, I, I definitely don't think it was, but, um, I definitely don't think it was. Sometimes but, in UFC, like, you see perfect scenarios like that for business, and that's exactly what came out of this. This is, like, the perfect scenario for their business. Like, they're oh, going to yeah. get the McGregor-Aldo fight, except it's even going to be bigger now. And then they're going to get the uh, – after that, if McGregor were to win that fight, I think you could totally make a good case for a, a very strong drawing fight and McGregor Mendez too, because then, you know, you get Mendez with a full camp and maybe he's not winded in the, at the end of the first round, like he was in this one, which I, I definitely yeah. think is a, a and, very fair thing to say that happened in that fight. Yeah. And just saying what you said, going back to that, uh, Mendez also, this is against him. And McGregor just came back. And what did McGregor win? A one-two combination, you know? Like, nothing spectacular. Like, he just believed. There's nothing else to say about it. That this guy was just so confident he's going to win, and he actualized it in the win. I thought it was great. Yeah, it was It was a, It was. was a great show. I mean, everything you want to see. And then, yeah, the... Um, even the and the fight before that was was probably even better, but just done all over. It it wasn't on the same scale, so it was different. But that was good too. Yeah, no, that was good too. I mean, I just like uh, I don't want to talk about like every card. Not that I think you were implying that, but that was a great fight. Like, and I just think like, but that. WWE personality that shines out in Conor McGregor. You know, it's the same thing that we saw with. Uh, Chael Sonnen, obviously, um, and obviously Ronda Rousey. God, I forgot to mention that. You know, her making that, I mean, the most blatant, you know, crossover appearing at WrestleMania. Like, um, and that's probably a talent that's going to be back and forth. You know, um, like Dana White sort of pretended to be okay with Ronda Rousey's appearance at WrestleMania, but you know he wasn't, like... (laughs) You know, he doesn't No, want how, that. I mean, how could he be? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What do, what do you mean by that? Well, just how could how could Dana White be okay with it? I mean, it, yeah. you know, it, there's nothing about it. I mean, you know, business-wise, the best thing for him is that she's exclusive to them. So why would he be interested in letting her go somewhere else? <laughs> and I mean, she has even been very vocal on like social media or whatever that she's not finished and she wants to show up at the WWE for different. And Dana White said in an interview, I don't know if you saw it, Dana White said, no frills attached, that no, she's one and done. Right. Um, well, and yeah, so and I think it's going to be very interesting to see how that plays out because, yeah. I mean, yeah, just strong personalities there. And then, obviously, I mean, you know, you take shoes for what they're worth. Almost all of them are saying that's going to be something involved at WrestleMania next year. And Ronda Rousey, in some way, is going to be involved. So, um, we'll we'll see what happens with that. But Yeah. 
and I mean, I think if anybody wins that fight, not that it's a fight, it's going to be Ronda Rousey. She's going to do what she wants. She sees a whole different career, a whole different life outside of the UFC. She wants to be a movie star. She she's influenced and inspired by The Rock, by Dwayne Johnson. You know, they're actually friends. They talk like on a, on a regular basis. I'm sure Mrs. Johnson uh, isn't too happy about that. If you you know what I mean, JB. But um, <laughs> you're right. I think like I think she's gonna do completely what she wants. I don't think Dana White has. It, not a leash in a world that big that can pull back uh, Ronda Rousey. I think she'll be at WrestleMania, I mean, in, in my opinion. So I think that crossover world between the UFC and WWE is in full effect. Let's face it. Yeah, I, I think it's totally relevant to a, to a wrestling podcast to discuss it. I, mean, I, I could see the same thing happen with Conor McGregor. I mean, he's he's starting to become like that big star. Uh, you know, he's doing commercials and things like yeah. that. So, Oh, yeah. And he's a smart guy, too. He knows that the UFC, he said before, like, I remember he had one quote. He's just like, the fight game is you, you get in quickly, you get out quickly, you make all the money you can. He knows he needs a life after that, too, you know? Um. So, yeah, so it's just, it, it, I mean, I don't know if the the WWE can really provide the life that he's looking for. Like, let's face it, you know, but, um, uh, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see how many crossovers there's actually are. And then there's even people like Frank Mir. He said that he would do the WWE. I don't know what, you know, and he, Frank Mir is like a hell of a commentator. Oh, isn't like Chael Sonnen now the, one of the color combinators for global force wrestling or something. So I yeah, mean, we could yeah. go on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we could go well, on. Well, you could also very... go the other way. I mean, I, I I've been saying this for over a year now. If you put Brock Lesnar with the WWE title and put him in a UFC heavyweight title match, that would be the biggest UFC show that they'd ever have in their lives. Hello. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. JB, you got to stay on those boards, then. They're chock full of rumors. But this is actually legit. Like, Fedor is supposed to come back. Like, why uh-huh. wouldn't Vince McMahon, at a pay-per-view, have an MMA fight between Brock Lesnar and Fedor? Now, I understand that that's completely exposing professional wrestling, leaving your most marketable champion and Brock Lesnar completely open to an ass beating, but for, for what three million pay per view buys, I think you could do it easily. For Fedor versus Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania, <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I think um, I think three million you could do. Am I crazy? Like, how big of an event would that be? You get the WWE audience, the UFC audience. Tons of people that just are going to buy the event to see, you know, uh, Fedor and Brock. That's the biggest fight ever. Shane, just really quickly, I just uh, as an aside, I just wanted to mention the um, you're you're cutting like at least on my phone, you're cutting out for like five seconds at a time every once in a while. Um, I don't know if it's actually on the broadcast. I mean, is, this, is this better? Uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's like literally like it just goes completely 
blank. Like I don't hear anything. It's not like you're muffled or anything. It's just like blank for like five seconds and then like okay, you're just here again. No. I, I don't know if it's my connection or for what. Yeah, yeah. I haven't changed anything, but we'll just monitor it. I think, um, uh, yeah. I mean, we'll I'll just uh, do a good job of monitoring it right now. But those well, just in case if I just you know don't don't I'm not answering at some point. <laughs> That's why. Yeah. But anyway, um, but yeah, with uh, with I mean, but I mean, it would be interesting if WWE they'll never. They'll never ever do this ever, <laughs> but I mean, no, they'll never do this ever. But if WWE, as a publicly traded corporation, ever wanted to expand their business, theoretically, they could just put on an MMA show once a year with Brock Lesnar fighting someone, and then you know just stack a bunch of guys up from from you know other places and put on like a three hour card, and you get a million pay per view buys. <laughs> I'm sure Fedor's price is is a million dollars, right? I mean, something like that to to take this fight. Why wouldn't they just do this? Why wouldn't they put on Brock versus Fedor? I'm I'm sure Brock isn't interested in doing it. You know, I mean, there's probably a number of reasons for for business-wise they don't want to do it, but, you know, as far as... I mean... Yeah, there's a. I I'm posing like a hypothetical question with a million reasons as to why it wouldn't happen. Very good reason, but the one reason why it would happen because it would be the biggest combat sports draw of all time. I really believe that. Like more so than like Tyson in his prime. Like why wouldn't they do that? And why couldn't that be a possibility? And Shamrock got a million people to watch on Spike. So, yeah. it's ridiculous, and that's like absurd. Like, who would even watch that? But you know. JB, my point is, what are we doing in this podcasting world? Why don't we have front office positions at the WWE? That's a very fair point. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, our talents are being wasted here. Well, that could go to another side conversation. How I was very close to having a front office position at WWE. <laughs> Oh, yes, that's right, where you interviewed uh, John Laurinaitis. I mean, well, John Laurinaitis interviewed you, and it sounded like a very, uh, you had a very arrogant, like, conversation with him, right? I wouldn't say it was an arrogant conversation at all. I mean, that guy is is, uh, is pure class all the way. (laughs) Oh, really? John Yates. Oh, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I mean, he was a classy gentleman, you said. Yes, very classy gentleman. Um, and uh, the WWE offices were were beautiful, and uh, yeah, I spent a good good three hours there one afternoon when I was uh, <laughs> when I was talking to some recruiters about looking at positions. And uh, one of them happened. I live in Connecticut, and one of them said, "Are you interested in working at WWE?" And all like a lot of people aren't, so we're just kind of throw it out there. And I said, yeah, right, uh, right. "Yeah, sure, I'm interested." <laughs> I'm <laughs> a huge mark. <laughs> now, Jamie, when you heard that, you thought you were going to be like you already saw your Titan Tron video and you were like picking <laughs> out entrance music in your head, right? I figured I would like stand next to David Atunga with, uh, with one of those coffee things in my hand. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> and uh, just you know, be backstage, just just having a great time. But uh, no, but uh, well, the first part of that that I thought was very funny was like the fact that my recruiting group, um, they were they were like usually most people say no to the idea. Like, <laughs> like really? first of all, you're 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 interested in getting a job somewhere. Uh, we can offer you a, a chance to get a job at WWE. Most people say no to that, <laughs> but we wanted to throw it out there. Most people say no to this. I'm thinking of a career change if they're just if they're well, you know, stars for talent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you went very deep in this interview process, correct? Yeah, yeah. I talked to yeah, I talked to a couple of different people, and then um, I came out to the uh, WWE headquarters for. I was there for about four hours one afternoon. Uh, I mean, this is probably like three years ago. It was back when Johnny right. John Laurinaitis was the authority figure on Raw. So, right, right. And you interviewed that, with John, whatever Lord. that timing is. Yeah, I think much longer than that. Maybe like five or six years ago. A okay. long time ago. Yeah, yeah. But it was very well, and then they yeah. So they they said something like. Uh, uh, yeah, there's a there's a guy who uh, who who works there. He's the and that was the time when he was doing like he would say his title every time he came out. It was the I'm the executive right, right. vice president of talent relations. Right. right. <laughs> and, and this recruiter woman is like, yeah, he's like the um, executive vice president of talent relations. His name's like John <laughs> something, and I'm like John Laurinaitis. <laughs> And they're, oh, yeah, yeah, I think that's what it is. That's what it is. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, I'd be So then, yeah, I, I came there. I interviewed with a bunch of HR people. And then also um, one of the other talent relations heads, I think he's still there, James Geddes was there. But uh, okay, I saw her on uh, Total Divas uh, <laughs> the first season. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just imagining okay. myself on Total Divas, like, you know, trying to pretend like I, I have any right to say anything to these people. <laughs> right. Uh, well, JB, speaking of divas, we had a very divas-filled week with a lot of new divas news. Uh, correct. Like, for example, on this latest episode of Raw, we had quite the call-up, uh, quite the call-up from the NXT roster. Um, and the end result being wonderful, the fact that we now have this influx of new divas talent or women's talent, as they say in the NXT, uh, not to mention a lot of new uh, eye candy, if you know what I mean, JB. Uh, uh, you catch what uh, I'm feeling? Yeah. <laughs> um, but the, so the outcomes, go, but I have a lot of serious things to say about the way they were called up um, and, and the manner in which they were introduced to the roster. Uh, one thing that was like the second segment on Raw, like in the middle of the show, I don't even think it was at the top of an hour. Right, JB? Like, uh, no, you know what? I think it was kind of right at the top of the 9 o'clock hour. 
It was it maybe like a little before what? it started. Around day fifty five. Yeah. But it's pretty close. Okay. Okay, that's good to know. But regardless, like I don't know why they wouldn't do something like this at the top of the show. Again, just because it's women or even at the end of the show, like what what was the main event of you know, the contract signing? Like they should have done that at the beginning. Like maybe reverse this. But I think it could have got better billing. That's a minor point. But one of the things that I really didn't appreciate about this segment, which showed uh, obviously was the culmination of like Paige's own power struggle against Team Bella, which uh, inexplicably has Cameron in it. You know, it's the Bellas and Cameron. Um, was uh, uh, the introduction of um, well three of the four horsewomen, uh, that being uh, Sasha Banks, Charlotte, and uh, the other one. <laughs> What's her name? Uh, Becky, <laughs> the Irish one. Um, and the way <laughs> the way this happened was we had Stephanie McMahon stealing the spotlight and the thunder, thunder from everything, completely destroying the heel diva dynamic, towering over all these women. She looked like King Kong climbing the Empire State Building. Like, over, like, like, I mean, just making, dwarfing, like, all the divas in, like, these high heels. I don't know what she was going for with, like, her appearance that day. Um, I was just flabbergasted, uh, to use an old man term, about the way this was introduced. Um, JB, before I too harshly critique uh, do you want to just add in anything here? Um, yeah, well, I think the first thing that I thought was, you know, just kind of the beginning of it um, is that they, they've they been teasing this for quite a while. Um, oh, yeah. And it, it was, I think it was pretty obvious the way they were going with it. It was just a matter of, like, how they were going to do it. Um, yeah. Because clearly Charlotte was ready. I mean, she dropped the title a while ago, and she was ready for the call-up, and then, you know, they kind of Obviously set it up. Ready. They set up Alicia Fox at the Bellas. So there's three on one. So there's like 20 spots. So you're saying, okay, it's going to be Charlotte and somebody else, whether it's Becky or Sasha, whatever, you know. We knew it wasn't going to be Bailey because Bailey's hurt, right? So, <clears throat> but apparently, all that stuff, the reason why it took so long to actually happen um, is because they've just been rewriting it over and over again. Like, that's what I've heard, <laughs> anyway. And this was What's their that? final. This is what they decided was the best. Yeah. Well, that's the amazing thing is that they've, they've held this off for weeks. Cause I mean, you could, I, I probably go back like four weeks now. They've been teasing this, maybe even more than that. And, and then this is what they came up with, which I, it just says so much about like, WWE and Steph and Triple H and like just the way they operate, like I, I would I almost have gone as far as to say that this was like a psychotic break by Stephanie McMahon. <laughs> she had to do this. <laughs> well, I mean, um, okay. Well, you said something over text message this week that I felt was very apropos, where you said. You, as in JB, had just as much to do with the next Diva's success as Stephanie McMahon did. 
which I think is completely accurate. And the reason why she's stepping in now and trying to like claim the credit, like God, in stupid storyline logical sense, holy shit! I'm like I'm starting to try to explain it, and I'm talking myself into circles, just like trying to explain. Okay. So let's it's going to be like, almost yeah. impossible to be coherent about it because there's so many yeah. different levels where it's terrible. <laughs> it doesn't make okay. sense. Well, like like so, terrible, and then also other times where it doesn't make sense. And so yeah, go. Ahead. So let's start off with the the first like part of wrestling, like like face heel logic. Okay, now Stephanie McMahon for the past three years. Her entire career, almost, with some exception, has been a heel, correct? Correct, yes. And she does it very well. So, yeah, she does it well. Uh, my hat's off to her. For me, for Shane, it's sort of like that X-Pac heat. And uh, I think me and Jim have talked about this go back to my deep hatred of all women. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> you know, I might not be the most accurate mirror <laughs> on that. But, but, yeah, she plays the heel, like, extremely well. Okay, she's a heel. Now, who else is in the ring that are heels? Okay, Nikki, Bella, and Cameron. Team Bella, right? So they would naturally align together. Okay. Hold on, Cameron? What are you talking about, Cameron? Nikki and Bray and Alicia Fox, man. Oh, sorry, sorry. Wow, I'm racist, apparently. <laughs> very, very racist. I'm not. I just, I actually, racism just kind of snuck up on you, huh? Right, yeah, yeah, I have to. When I, when I don't have my guard up a hundred percent, it just kind of makes its way into uh, my consciousness. But uh, no, but I actually love Alicia Fox, and I don't know why she's in this angle. I think she's a much better like baby face. I think she's just so naturally nice, and I think she's extremely hot. Uh, that's extremely that's like athletically gifted. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Does this make me not racist? <laughs> but I yeah, let's we'll say I'm, nice things about yeah. her for like the next two hours. <laughs> the shoot is here that I that I don't know why she's there. Um, I think she's unbelievable. I think she's a great talent. Unbelievable is pushing a little too far, but um, um, okay. So the natural alignment is her for Stephanie to be with the Bellas. With okay, and I understand the W. Okay, so that's number one. That's where she should be. I don't care what what the WWE is trying to push down. Okay, let's give the WWE that exception that they're trying to not be the rigid heels and face uh, stigma that they've done for a while. Okay, let's give them that the, the exception. Okay. But then also Paige is the face and a very over face, which they, I would claim not to go off on a tangent. They have to keep her as a face right now because it's very hard to – I mean, and maybe forever. I, I see her almost being as like that, maybe sort of like a, just a great face, like of the, almost like a, I don't know what, where I'm going with this, but like just a really good face. I think she fits that role perfectly and they shouldn't ever fluctuate and bring her back to a heel, like ever. <laughs> I'm being completely serious. She's like a very good face. <clears throat> well, this, you know, it's oh. funny, yesterday's episode of Total Divas also kind of confirmed what you just said, like she was a very big time face in that episode. Um, but anyway, I, I don't want to go into a tangent. But no, no, we, we actually we should talk about that afterwards. But um, 
what I'm saying is, okay, let's say Stephanie, they don't want to align Stephanie naturally with the heels because it's the easiest move. It's got inertia on its side. It's the most logical thing to do, which WWE wouldn't do. Let's just say they don't want to do that. Well, then you don't fucking align her with a face. Stephanie Van, you don't align the heel with a face. If you don't want to naturally align them with heels, you then don't go back and then have her helping out the face of the company to beat the Bellas when she's supposed to be a heel. So it doesn't make any sense. I mean, it, it makes it like extra doesn't make sense from that perspective. Um, and then, okay, so, so she's helping. Uh, I, I'm going to become retarded if I keep talking about this. So then she's helping Paige. Oh, God, where do I start? I'm not even up to the Sasha What's Banks. What, what is like Paige like, and her like, even I'm not even up to that. Like, what do they even have thing. in common? Why would they even? <laughs> it's just so ridiculous. But yeah. Like okay, so she introduces uh Becky, who. I... Is that it? Like um, so she fought from the bottom, like uh, and now she's here, like Drake, um. So she gets introduced, and she naturally aligns with uh, Paige. Every wrestling logic says Paige should just come out, cut a promo, and says, hey, I brought my friends. Remember when I was in Next the whole time? Remember when you guys skipped out of Next because you just decided to marry the right people and went on a reality show? You know, like, God. (laughs) I'm getting frustrated. I can't talk about this anymore. It's so stupid. But so Stephanie McMahon introduces Becky Lynch as as the underdog. Then she introduces Charlotte, who got beat three months ago in a squash match by Natalia as the natural selection. Charlotte as a face isn't bad, but she has to be a heel, like her father. She played that role perfectly in Next, and it's just the natural it's just her character, the 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 natural, you know, the nature boy, the nature girl, Charlotte Flair. I mean uh-huh. she has uh-huh. to go in that perspective like eventually she has to be a heel but fine she's a face right now Stephanie introduced her then <laughs> ah, god I can't even talk <laughs> then well, wait, can I just break in real quick can I just break in real please, quick please please I thought I it was uh, I thought it was great Sasha. first of all Stephanie McMahon is out here introducing everybody um and the best thing ever is her because as I as I read now in retrospect, um, the idea was to bring Stephanie out to introduce everyone to give them more credibility because you know Stephanie is such such a credible figure in WWE and right. uh, and extremely credible in talking about underdog stories that have scratched and clawed their way from the bottom. Like Becky Lynch. Right, right, very good. So, yeah, I mean, if anyone could understand that story, uh, it's Stephanie McMahon. So, <laughs> right, right. Thank God of she course. was there for that and and to do that that amazing intro that no one reacted to. Um, yeah. So thank God for that. And, yeah, uh, Charlotte uh, Charlotte got a great reaction, uh, which is not surprising. I mean, a lot of people know, even – there's like there there is that NXT audience and then there's that raw audience. Um yeah. there's that Charlotte I feel it already kind of crossed over into that raw audience. Like there's people that know who she is by this point. 
Um, and obviously the flare connection, people know who she is. But um, so I thought she got a good reaction. But then, yeah, please continue with what happened next. Okay, so Naomi comes out and introduces herself, right? I mean, what do we want to say here? Like, I mean, um, she comes out and says, oh, oh, my God, her angle is so stupid. It was like, hey, well, we're the baddest chicks on the block. I, I can't even, like, recall it. Well, it was, it was so also kind of, I mean, they've they've actively buried Naomi for like the last four weeks. Like, let's just be honest. Yeah. You know what's happened there? <laughs> and then she came out, and it was very just place. And I mean, that's fine, I guess. But um, she, you know, she comes out and she. I don't remember what she said. She just said, "Yeah, oh, we got issues with the Bellas. We got issues with Paige. Like we." want to be in this mix or something like that. So, JB, does this happen to be a better connection? What's that? Is, Is this, this a better, better connection? connection? I haven't had you um, cut out for, for a little while, so. Okay. 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 Yes. Well, yes. Hold on. Once, so it's, it's equally as good or? Uh, yeah, I would, yeah, I'd say a little better. Okay. okay I'll, I'll try to talk on this minute. Anyway, um, do, you, do you hear an echo or anything? Sorry, last question. I think very slight, but it's 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 good. Okay, hold on one second. Okay, I'll stick with this for now. Sorry about that interruption, guys. Trying to get the best quality audio for your listening pleasure. So anyway, Naomi and... Tabina come out, they they say something, and then the, okay, we got to this end goal where Sasha Banked was aligned with Naomi Naomi and Tabina, okay? That's the end result, and I have to start it out from the end. This is like a fucking Agatha Christie mystery novel where it's so complicated, you have to start from the ending to understand the sequential steps to how you got there. Um, (laughs) So, Tiffany McMahon then introduces Sasha Banks to come out and side with Naomi and Tavina. Yeah, which wasn't clear at the time that that, that she was like Naomi and Tavina come out and they say whatever they say, and then Steph says, "Oh, good point," and then continues to introduce another person, which. I, I, I like in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, it's another NXT person, you know, great. Sasha Banks, I love Sasha Banks, so that's great. But uh, like, it wasn't very clear until everyone stood in the ring that she was aligning with Naomi and Tamina. Because how would you know that, uh, considering like Stephanie McMahon was like, no, right, right, no, who would know? Like, Naomi, I would think, would be the one to introduce Sasha Banks. But that's fine. The, the page didn't introduce you know, Whatever. We'll figure it out as we go along. So that, that that's how it went. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's how it went. Uh, yeah, that that's all she wrote. Um, yeah. But, okay, like, the end... It, so this this segment, like, I'm sick of talking about it, so let's just stop. 
was so confusing. The end result is we have Sasha, Charlotte, and Becky in the, the women's division in the WWE. The repercussions of this are, one is that, well, I guess this isn't a repercussion as much as an observation. Of the, Stephanie's really a conceited, arrogant bitch that is just trying to, like, usurp some sort of credit for the Divas division. I don't understand it all, but fine. Let's ignore this. How do you feel that the WWE completely cannibalizing the NXT roster? I think we're going to see a really, like, I'm just confused about, because now you're in this situation where there's been, like, this talent drain from NXT to the WWE, which is obviously in the company's best interest, which is oh, best for business, you know, just, just to to reinvigorate right. the well, WWE. Well, in addition, NXT's had a lot of injuries, too. Like, there's a lot of people down there that were injured that maybe would have made the move up, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But how do you feel about, like, like I feel like NXT was becoming this big draw. And now, although we're going to see the show, like like in the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, it's really not as intriguing because now it's not two NXT guys, Finn Balor versus Kevin Owens. It's, Kev, it's Finn Balor versus somebody from the WWE main roster who you know is not going to win the NXT title. And I'm assuming yes. those ladies are still going to be working the NXT shows, but they're now in the WWE. They don't care about the NXT title, no matter how much they put on the air. I'm just worried about that kind of roster being so thinned out and NXT doesn't become its own anymore, which was the highlight for me and many others of the WWE universe during the past few months. Um. And I don't know what kind of feedback you'd give on that statement. I just think it's sort of a factual statement that this happenings and this is going to exist. And it's more like when you're losing a debate, when you're losing an argument, eh, you just redefine something. Or at least that's my little trick. If ever I'm losing an argument in, in work or something, well, I just say, yeah, well, let's go back to the drawing board and talk about what we meant by <laughs> having a successful sales week. You know, <laughs> um, So it's like a... Uh, so here, well, it's, let's go back to the drawing board and define what NXT is going to be. Because I thought they were going in the direction of a touring brand, but now it looks like they're just using it as their farm system for WWE. Um, and I think that's a problem. But I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, JB. Um, I think it's just it's just so everything about it is so new, like the the whole NXT even being a touring brand and, you know, yeah, it's originally to, to, to be a developmental there. thing. I, I think they're like figuring that out as they go. And it's, yeah, I mean, clearly it's going to hurt the NXT product bringing these people up, but that's what these people want. I mean, it's, I, not one of them doesn't want to go to the main roster. So, you know, as far as their careers go, I'm, I'm happy for them. Um, you know, so it's, it's really tough to say. I mean, you know, I, it was always that thing. I, you know, I mentioned this the other. I didn't really get to expound upon it. We, we we didn't have a lot of time to talk about it, but um, we were talking about NXT like the same way, and that all the, the talent is just leaving and going to you know the main roster, and which is kind of the purpose, right? That's like the idea. So that's yeah. good for them. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. Where, like, in the old days in ECW, when that was happening, um, like, it was killing ECW. Like, just incredible was the world champion because they just didn't know what to do. They let, and, like, you know, to Paulie's credit, he did everything he could to make new stars <laughs> back then. Yeah. And they were just getting their talent completely taken away from them. I mean, well, in that case, two different companies and, like, literally taken away where this is, like, you know, they're not really taking away from the company. It's the same company. So, completely different. Right. But, um, but, you know, you get the same kind of result at that, that level where they're trying to piece together piece together a roster at this point, um, especially with all the injuries. And, like, the people that are injured, like Bailey, for instance, like – She's she's definitely going up, and like like if this whole women's thing works up, works out, uh, which I think they're going to make every effort to make work out, even though they screwed it up this week. Um, you know, it's Bailey's going to work out too. So the, <laughs> the talent speaks for itself. You know, it's going to work out. I have no yeah. problem. Well, the only way it wouldn't work out is like if they didn't give it a chance, and they didn't like if it like. So I think what's going to happen is this week didn't work, although I've heard things that say, like, WWE offices were really happy the way it worked out, which oh, is so God. unsurprising considering how, yeah. <laughs> you know, Steph got all the credit for you know, <laughs> for, for all the work the NXT girls have done. Um, yeah. Uh, but past that, like, you know, I think there's definitely a lot of fear of anyone who was a fan of the NXT Divas division, like, and WWE screwing them up. And I think it's pretty clear that Steph and Triple H, at the very least, which are two pretty key voices in this thing, um, are making this, like, a huge initiative. So if, like, they screw something up week to week and something doesn't work, it's not going to be like Cesaro or, like, if he screws up a promo and you don't see him for a few months. <laughs> like, it's going to be, yeah. like... They're gonna they're gonna make it work. They're gonna find a, a different angle on it, different whatever they got to do to make it work. They're gonna make it work. So I think that's gonna be you know very key for this whole thing. But the way that it started out was just oh god, it was like somewhat sickening to watch. <laughs> but that's to us, like you know what, like real Mark losers. Like um, yeah, that's I'm, true. I'm not surprised. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, like, and the end result was sort of a great image of, you know, them doing the the figure eight and the Fuji Becky doing the Fujiwara armbar and um, who else? Sasha Banks doing the, uh, what's your thing called? Bank statement yeah, or something? Bank statement. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I thought that was a great visual. I thought it ended well. It was just very confusing. Like. Doing the booking, and and I mean, what's not? It's like I'm not sitting here like nitpicking, but this was the most obvious story. God, so done talking about it. It was just the most confusing thing. I'm glad they're up on the roster. I'm a little concerned about NXT, as you you put it perfectly. That it's like a new thing. Like we're gonna have to see how it actually all plays out. Sasha Banks is such a talent. Like she plays that role the boss, you know, character, like, perfectly. Like, down to a science, where she must practice this, like, every day. Because if you ever hear her in an interview, uh, JB, I believe you described her, like, uh, as um, uh, AJ Lee-like, correct? Which I, I think is pretty on point, like a total wrestling nerd. Um, yeah, very much so, out. very wrestling nerd. For, I think, like, even on her, um, you know, on her, like... Uh, social media and stuff. She's like, 
very nice and, you know, <laughs> all the stuff that isn't like her character is supposed to be. Yeah. But um, Now, JB, we were discussing you and I um, starting a consultant. Uh, I don't know why you're laughing. This is a professional conversation um, that I take very seriously. Uh, a consultancy to just the WWE and NXT uh, women's wrestlers. I don't even think we'd extend it to like uh, ROH or TNA just because our expertise is focused on just this area. And what it would be is just tell them not really on wrestling uh, per se, like the promos or, or maybe a little bit about the pros, but just how to behave and what's like appropriate like situations you should find yourself in. And we were going to start this consultancy to guide all the WWE divas on a path to success, correct? That's, yeah, well, like, where especially a lot of former WWE divas have failed, uh, (laughs) there's there's a lot of lessons to be learned, I feel. I mean, and we've seen the era of everyone's ways, and we are experts in the subject, pretty much. Like, for example... Uh, these girls get a little too like, like for example, the one thing about pages, pages like the hot girl in the roster, like and uh, hey, page on your Twitter account, nobody wants to hear about your rock star boyfriend. Like nobody wants to hear about that. I'm sure you're getting tons of unfollows, like like little, like uh, you know, teeny bopper boys, like aren't too thrilled about. They like you got to keep that under wraps. Like you can have your you know sexual relations just I don't particularly approve on them but you should be ashamed of these relationships I and never I approve of none of them you're correct right I approve of them but we realize she's a human woman and she's going to have those needs but this would be a matter of shame and you should never parade these things in public I mean you're you're a public figure that has a reputation to a pull. I think like the appeal of some of these WWE divas is like, there's some hope in the back of every male's mind that is just like, Oh, I could get with this girl. It's a completely delusional, retarded hope. I mean, the most delusional kind, but it exists. And like when you're like when Eva Marie is on told the divas just, you know, being smothered by her absolutely creepy husband. Yeah, it's a problem. It breaks the suspension of disbelief that one day I could have sex with this lady. <laughs> well, you got to say, though, on, on total divas that it kind of, it's fine in total divas because it does add to the stories in that case. But thank you for saying. I don't approve. I don't think it's fine. I don't, I don't see if I was a producer and this is more gold the WWE can use. If I was a producer, can't really need to find a man. All I've ever wanted to do is date a fan, like the fan that really loves me. Like I'd love to find that fan and date them forever. Like that would, that would be great. Like, that's all they should be talking about. That's all the conversation should be. I don't know why they introduce the fact that these divas have a relationship out. 
outside of the professional wrestling world. Like, I don't know what the marketing is behind there. You're you're particularly annoyed by the uh, the Bellas relationship with their 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 guys. Well, with the Bellas, I'm just frankly amazed that this isn't brought. Like, I see this slowly working. Like, Paige has made a few comments about like who they're married. Particularly interesting why nobody immediately says when somebody like these ladies they're nothing special i mean they're twins but i mean like i don't understand like like i guess that has some like sex appeal to it i guess but I I don't think they're anything special. Like like where are they? They're they're not great promos. They're bad in the ring. Like so I mean if you t- eat away at all these other characteristics that they fail at, the one thing they're succeeding at is that they're having sex with the right people. I just don't understand how this is not like somebody says Bella's. The initial reaction is oh she's she's you know fucking John Cena so she gets all the big pushes. Like, I don't understand how there's some sort of, like, disconnect between Bellas and who they're sleeping with to to be in. Like, they're just automatically attracted to the two most over people in the company. I mean, at the time, now Daniel Bryan's hurt or whatever. But, oh, yeah, it's fascinating. What a coincidence. What a coincidence. Their mother really raised them right to just automatically be attracted to the most successful men in the room. I don't know how that happened. I, yeah, yeah, it, it must just be their woman's instinct. Like, what an amazing coincidence. Like, and you know, like, girls usually have, like, like, I know, like, they'll, does, they'll have, like, a type that they're attracted to. Like, girls usually have, you know, I have two sisters. Like, I know this world. So it's like, it, it's not like, it's pretty far that one's going to be attracted to John Cena, then the other one's going to be attracted to Daniel Bryan. It's just ridiculous. Particularly upsetting. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to get worked up about it, but the the I mean, our consultancy would we'd cover many different things that are are very relevant to this world. Another one would be that Sasha Banks has no place dating some stagehand in the back of NXT that causes it. You know that that's the controversy. I mean, as a young lady, she should be focused specifically on the wrestling and succeeding as she she has no time for a relationship. That's just and she's going to be perceived as very silly by the people that run this organization dating some nobody backstage. I mean, at least the Bellas are dating, you know, the two top guys in the organization uh, for so Sasha Banks. I disapprove. Of your relationship. Right. I thoroughly disapprove of your relationship. And you should end that if you care about your career. And maybe Sorry, show I, just, interest I, I, in- I was I, I wanted to add something to the Bella thing. I just got completely distracted because Billy Ray just showed up on my Destination America in the background here. Um, anyway. Oh, yes, Jamie, I don't have a dream, but... Yes, Billy Ray is... Uh, uh, we don't have to talk about this, but... Uh, uh, 
maybe I'll bring back my segment TNA talk for later. But uh, Bully Ray is the uh, who I believe has a signed WWE Legends contract. <laughs> which is <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm almost positive. Yeah, <laughs> but he is the new um, Impact in a stunning move, a shocking move. He is the uh, uh, the face. Um, uh, well, I see that awful Dixie Carter in the ring. Uh, so, okay. I guess. Well, that must mean that Star EC3 is uh, not far in the ring. Right? Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway. We're... No, but you were, so you said about the belt. Yeah, so that was the thing. You know, there there's some things about this segment that really annoy. So, I think we covered the whole staff being, a you know, just a. Uh, well, like I said before, like I think her coming out is so. It's like that thing that you know, like Max Landis talks about with Triple H in that video, and like it's like completely she's like figured that out that he does what she what he does where they somehow like need to take credit for everything. Like even when they're heels, they gotta come out and be faces to like us in the NXT fan community. And like, uh, it's so sickening. And like, I like, I seriously, I think it's like a, psych- a psychotic break that happened there, where she thought like, this is a good idea. Like, I'm gonna do this for the good of all women, and like, this right. is what I'm gonna do. And it's not gonna have any backlash at all because I'm doing such a great thing for these NXT fans and all the WWE fans also. Like. Insane. Well, you have um, a good point because how else would you describe it? Like, like creative couldn't be unless they're kissing like the most tremendous amount of ass ever kissed by boss and employees. Like, yeah, I I don't get it either. But we beat that point to death anyway. So we're, yeah, well, yeah, so I so, beat that point to death. But also, like, they were they were kind of teasing this whole thing where the NXT girls were going to come up with haze and then they were going to kind of destroy the division. Like that that's probably the way they should have gone with it, and that would have been, I think, probably the way to do it. But um, and then maybe could like, you like Nexus Sasha style, whatever. Out, could you imagine bringing like Sasha out later as like the equalizer? You know, like imagine how good that would have went. Like yeah, yeah. Exactly. There were so many better ways to do it. But instead they decided... So this is the thing that annoyed me that, that tells me it might not work at the end of the day is that they still... they Like, the way they did it was that they still had to make sure that the Bellas were happy and Naomi was happy and, like, everybody kind of didn't... Like, everything's even Steven. Like, okay, we brought up these girls, but they're not taking over for anybody or anything like that. Like... Right, right, right. It's just so yeah. annoying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty annoying the way they placate to everyone. Um, yeah, they're, they're totally placating to all the talent, to, the way they did this. And then, um, uh, what was I going to say? And, like, the, the smart well, thing. Well, the craziest thing, again, not to harp on it a million times, was just the Sasha Banks reveal, like, I mean, talk. We were talking, hitting that racism before. This is the most racist thing ever. They just automatically aligned her to Mina, and you know, without any explanation except the obvious one that she's black. It's crazy. Yeah, I, I mean, it was like <laughs> it was stunning. That's the only way I can put it. 
I, I saw, so we were just talking about that, like, why didn't Naomi at least introduce her? And then, like, the, so I guess the, the way they decided to frame it was Stephanie said, okay, you three are together because you're, like, I mean, they're not, they're not all necessarily black either. Like, they're some, some of them are, like, half black, whatever. I don't want to get into that. But, like, yeah, because you guys are all kind of black. Like, you guys are going to be together. Like, right. it was <laughs> kind absurd. Of black. Yeah, yeah. That's what it is. That's what they're saying. That was totally what they were saying. <laughs> I just lied. Um. Anyway, uh, so Jamie, you uh, well, I mean, this is definitely not a segue. We're still on the topic, but but you're a big fan of this uh total diva show, uh, correct? Yes, yes, it's uh, it's. I, I would say it's uh, I like it better than Raw, so it's pretty, pretty good. Right, <laughs> right, right. Well, that's not saying anything. I like punching my dick uh, repeatedly for three hours better than Raw. So, I mean, Total Divas right. is well, probably... Well, the good thing is Total Divas is at least an hour, so you got that going for right, you. Right, right. Well, uh, now, I, you know, why don't you explain to us some of the... Uh, Yes, Shane. Did you, did I lose you? Yeah, yeah, I lost you there. You dropped out for a little bit. So you were going to ask me a little bit what, what's going on this season. So there's been two episodes this season so far. Uh, yesterday was the second one. And a lot of it's kind of revolved around this, which I think is just an interesting thing in general we could talk about. It's like, uh, it's basically, you know, and everything in Total Divas is like three, four months behind, so... This most recent episode is like the road to WrestleMania. Um, okay. So that kind of gives you a little framework. So it's actually what so that's four months ago. So um, so that's where they're at, and they um, four months ago. Um, I guess this is when that Eva Marie training started happening, which which all started getting leaked on video. However, WWE decided to do that, um, where right. she was training with Brian Kendrick and all that. And that's been basically like the crux of the two episodes. Like all the divas on the main roster are like upset about it and they think it's like special treatment. And, uh, and like basically, which I think some, you know, some of the point is just like, they are jealous to some degree, but also, um, you know, like someone like Paige, who's been in the business for a long time, is just like, this is ridiculous. Like, she's been, like, she had a very good comment. She's like, this is your third WrestleMania coming up, and now all of a sudden you're focusing on wrestling? Like, <laughs> right. I mean, when I sort of saw that, the, the one thing, again, that I thought was particularly creepy was just how smothering her husband is. I mean, I don't know what's going on, like, in that relationship, but, uh, like, the fact that he didn't doesn't do anything all day but watch her practice, like, nobody He's thought like, that was weird. He's, like, a hanger-on. Yeah, yeah, which I appreciate, like, more power to him, but once yeah, again, as... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course, of course, no, great, great for him, but as consultant to the divas, and wannabe producer, like, no, he has no place on the show. Like, I don't know why he's there. They should be teasing some sort of, what What they should do is tease some sort of romance 
between her and the Brian Kendrick. Like, that would be great. And she says, like, no, uh, I don't want to date you. I'm I'm saving myself for my, my best fan. I mean, that that's what the storyline <laughs> should, should be. <laughs> if they were smart at all. But they're stupid, obviously. Um, yeah, I, I don't get it. Um, anyway, but, uh, uh, I mean, Paige comes off on that show like a, a very much a face, correct, JB? Well, the most recent, uh, so yesterday's episode, uh, she did in that, like, it was the WrestleMania week, and she's, like, outside of some store or whatever. She's out shopping uh, with the other one of the other divas. And then, um, like, some young girl comes up to her and just, like, oh, I stopped my eating disorder because, um, you know, um, I, I, I followed you so much and I'm such a fan of you and I love how you don't care about what people think of you. And I've decided to, like, you know, take that. And then, you know, like, Paige, like, hugs her and, like, starts crying and, like, huge, like, baby face moment <laughs> for Paige. So right, yeah. the fact that you kind of, like, were already saying that beforehand. Right. Before, and yeah, I know you didn't watch any of the Diva stuff, but that was, that's why I threw it in there, because it was that, you know. I thought it was interesting, because I, I didn't actually pick up on any of that, like, she should be a baby face. Like, what, what should she do? I don't know. I think she could do whatever she wants, but it was interesting that you picked up on that even without seeing that. Yeah, I just think she, she, plays really hard to, like, I mean, we always get on John Cena's case, or it's so fucking hard to be a babyface, to get, like, a genuine, like, non-sarcastic, like, cheer from a crowd, you know, and not be, like, a polarizing figure, that's, like, hard, and she just plays that role really well, for whatever um, reason, and one of the things that we both noticed was that uh, she was looking a little, like, thick lately. Right, JB? Looking a little thick there. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm not saying that in a bad way. I don't mind it. Oh no, no, no! I I like it. I I appreciate <laughs> it for for my own personal taste. I I think that that she looks thick. I think it looks great. But if I put on my diva consultancy hat, which uh, you and I will be wearing uh, much much more often than not. I mean, she should watch her weight a little bit. I feel bad for her. Like, uh, you know, she's 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 young. She she's got her whole career ahead of you. Um, uh, you made the astute comment that like uh, on the uh the show, she just seems like a you know typical twenty two year old girl that doesn't really be you know that like eats shit and doesn't really care about her weight and things like that. Um. Uh. Yeah, but I think somebody should be pounding that into her head, that she's got to start thinking about, you know, uh, 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 her her personal fitness uh, really soon, and she can't just be putting on pounds whenever she feels like it. Am, am I wrong, JP? Well, yeah, I mean, especially if, like, you know, Charlotte Flair is going to be breathing down your neck for that tough spot. <laughs> you might want to think about uh, think about stuff like that, but. <laughs> I mean, you I, have I believe Sasha you said Banks. that Charlotte Flair has uh, more in common with LeBron James than any of the divas on the roster. I mean, she's just, I don't know where, I don't know what genetics she inherited. It certainly wasn't from her father. <laughs> like, like <laughs> right. when they so say, like, they keep oh, to apply. 
Yeah, yeah. They keep saying like, "Oh, she's such a natural." Uh, she inherited so much as great DNA and genetics from her father. It's like I'm sure hope she didn't, <laughs> because you know she's gonna fall apart in a couple of years. She's gonna look like you know like my ass <laughs> in uh in three years. So um, right. Like I sure, but she is like almost the same way that uh, uh I remember I felt a little vindicated because Square Circle posted something a Bret Hart like endorsing Cody Rhodes. Like saying something like, "There's, there's no one better at like throwing kicks and punches." I forget what he said, but just a testament to like Cody Rhodes' in ring ability and how athletic he is. And it's yeah. like, uh, yeah, I don't know where Cody Rhodes got that, <laughs> like where he inherited <laughs> this. <laughs> Cody Rhodes, I see like the same way as Charlotte, like, but Charlotte is like she's like in the one percentile. A female athlete, she's ridiculous. Like the way she moves, just how strong she is, the how flexible and athletic she is. Like, like, and she's built like a man. Like, remember at the NXT show, like, like a man. She has a huge back, like no ass. It's pretty funny actually. But she's <laughs> like the, like she's so athletic. I mean, she's just she really is like Athena. Um. Like she could, she's like she's gonna be tough. I don't see who they like her and Naomi. You know, obviously, I, when I think about the WWE roster, I think like Naomi's gonna have good matches with her, right? Like, I'm I'm not sure. Yeah, well, yeah, that that's so tough to say how they're gonna book this down the road. I mean, I think this is this, the way they're doing it now is gonna be pretty short lived. Um. But, yeah, I mean, no one wants to see, like, I don't know, like, Brie Bella against Charlotte. Like, no one wants to see that, right? <laughs> I can't imagine. I don't think so. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't. And, I mean, if she does it, like, Charlotte's going to be doing all the work and everything. I'm sure she's not going to appreciate it. Going against Brie Bella sucks. Yeah. Yeah, it's- yeah. And, well, that's going to be weird. I mean, I think that's going to be that was the thing I was mentioning before. Like they had to include all these other girls, which is, you know, I guess it's fine. But like, it's going to come to a point where they're going to have to decide how they want to run that division. Like, do they just want to? Because the Bellas, I think, are obviously a draw to some degree. You know, especially in the the reality show, they get a they get a reaction when they come out, um, especially Nikki. Do they? So. Yeah, I mean, reaction when she comes out. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be like everyone hopes, where they're just going to do, you know, Sasha, Charlotte, Becky Lynch, you know, a triple title uh, Survivor Series. Like that's not going to happen. It's going to be more like, uh, you know these nine people and maybe add another in like some kind of five on five match at Survivor Series. Like that's what you're going to get. <laughs> so, and in the meantime, Nikki Bella is definitely going to get that, you know, uh, title record over AJ. She, yeah, she is right. I got to figure that's what they want to do. I'm sure it's keeping CM Punk up late at night. Just thinking about that. <laughs> How can they do this? <laughs> what a horrible husband he is. I mean, I would think, right? 
Well, that marriage isn't lasting long, right? That's not gonna. What? That marriage I don't isn't think... gonna last long, right? <laughs> well, you brought up the very funny point how uh, you you couldn't see how CM Punk appreciates uh, his wife now having no income. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. While he... I don't think he, they're really starving for money, but it was a very funny point. Um, Shane, what do you think about uh, the, what do you think about these Undertaker rumors? Oh well, actually, Jimmy, you can kind of fill me in on the rumors. Um, in terms of, like, uh, I know there's been many photos circulating of him working out, which in the past have usually led to, like, um, uh, him actually appearing, like, um, you know, at uh, the pay-per-views. Um, I mean, what what's the latest speculation? That he's going to appear at Battleground, I heard? I mean, yeah. So I think if you were to take what's happening in that Lesnar Rollins angle in the traditional WWE framework. <laughs> right. Rollins has lost all his backup and I feel like there's a very little chance that Lesnar is going to take the title at Battleground. Mm. So there's got to be something that's going to happen. And then I think some of you know a lot of this is like like none of this is showing off to like let's say um, on extremely reputable sites, but the, you know like the workout pictures that you talked about, uh, like Heyman kind of threw the Undertaker's name out there in the promo. Um, there's a lot of people just kind of throwing that out there as a possibility because yeah, I, I guess think, it's sort of interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's. I mean, I my feeling on it is like as far as just the title picture in WWE goes, like Rollins is a Booker's dream, right? He's like a heel that's you know, uh, you know, he's just like annoying. Like he even annoys like a, a smarky type fan, and he's kind of beatable and. Um, all these things, and he somehow, like, escapes every time. Um, so I, I can't imagine they're going to take the title off him in such a way. Um, so there's got to be something that's going to happen in this Battleground show. That's my thought on it. And then they really there's... Suck. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. They, I mean, they just sucked so bad on the Rollins title run, I think. I mean, I think they really screwed it up in parts where they they could have made something great of it. And I think Rollins' talent has sort of shined through and made it become something. Does that make sense? Um, no, I think Rollins has done that every step of the way. Yeah. Yeah. Rollins has always um, made every situation he's been in better, I've I've found. I hope they keep the title on him. I don't think they're going to take it off in that battle dump. I just think if they're going to give it to Brock, it's too premature, but it does bring up a good point. Like then how does Brock lose it? Um, what do you think? 
Um, well, I think that's I guess where the, all the, I mean, there's, there's some of this Undertaker speculation comes from. Yeah. But I, I no, I mean, I'm not to date on the rumors necessarily. There's just there's just stuff out there that says that, you know. So. I think that's the rumor. Um, you know what I mean? Uh, um, I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure that's the rumor, though. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No. It's. I mean, it's, it's out there. It's just like not necessarily being said by. I, there are some people I find more reputable than others. <laughs> they're not right, right. saying that necessarily. What they're saying. Is Meltzer saying that? would be anything? something that would make sense. I mean, that would be a huge SummerSlam match if they wanted to do that. Is Meltzer saying anything? Oh, no. No, Meltzer hasn't said anything about it. Interesting. Which, you know, says a lot. That's usually you know, the reputable source. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As opposed to all those quit bait, clickbait idiot sites that do nothing. Um, right. But I... It's pretty I, amazing how there's, like, no... nothing else that's considered reputable <laughs> in the entire industry of professional wrestling. Well, even, I mean, there's been so many of those, like, Reddit usernames, like Dolphin and uh, Mets Fan Forever. Uh, mm-hmm. What an amazing coincidence that a Mets fan would also be a loser, professional wrestling fan. I mean, a, <laughs> right, right. we both also have be a to loser. be Mets fans, is that correct? <laughs> uh, believe it or not, yes, yes. But, um... <laughs> Uh, I mean, there's always been, like, those sort of guys with, like, the insider information. But, yeah, Meltzer's just made such, like, a life um, of this. I remember I was watching an Al Snow, um, like, shoot interview. <laughs> um, I was probably on drugs that day <laughs> or something. But uh, <laughs> he was saying. like, And then, like... um. Uh, is not very funny at all in in real life, but his Twitter account's like really funny. I swear to God, and not just from a wrestling perspective. Like he says like very funny stuff. Like I remember what I was reading his Twitter one time. He said something like uh, just stupid stuff. But I remember it pickled me pink. JB was well, he's just like uh, it, it was, he tweeted out something. You don't need to remind white guys named Jeff to bring their acoustic guitar to your party. Don't worry, they're gonna bring it. Like, uh, he just tweets like really funny stuff. Um, I don't know why, but uh, but regardless, he said something in the shoot interview like that. Dave Meltzer is the best worker in the wrestling industry because he uh, he makes all this stuff seem so important and people buy to his subscription. You know, it was just such like, like a meta stupid thing to say, like some really annoying bullshit. Uh, but I mean, he's got a point. Like Dave Meltzer is like the king of this sort of wrestling uh rumor and news industry. I don't I don't know how he does it, but uh, you had sent me that one uh Dusty Rhodes thing, and and it was fascinating. It it was just great to read. Like what? A, and I remember like reading it, thinking like, how am I gonna read all this about Dusty Rhodes? 
And no, like every single sentence was pretty interesting, you know, so he does a really great job at the content that he's puts out there. Would you agree? Oh, yeah. I mean, I thought he wrote stuff. I think that was just one part of it that I sent you. Uh, but like detail is just, yeah, just remarkable. But um, yeah. Yeah, no, I think it's just interesting that no one else. I, I mean, I don't know, maybe. Maybe there is a couple other people. I don't know. But there is no one else who really has any legitimacy <laughs> in the pro wrestling, right. like, journalism industry. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Which isn't... I mean, I don't know what... Really, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like... It's a, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, uh, yeah, anyway, but I mean, back to the matter at hand. Of course, I'd love to see WrestleMania. I'd love to see The Undertaker return a battleground, set up a match for... SummerSlam, I think this has to be his last year of retirement. I remember Jim Ross saying something like, uh, people are worried about The Undertaker's like physical condition, and you really shouldn't be. Like, like this guy stays in like tremendous amount of shape like all throughout the year, and like he's very healthy, has like a good diet, and it, it just. And and I mean that's ob- obvious. It is longevity. I think people just went crazy because that match with Brock was so brutal, with Brock's brutal, reckless style where he's breaking ribs and destroying cars. You know, obviously that that makes sense. Um, you know, it's just a really hard match on him. Um, but I think he 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 has the ability to work a couple matches this year. You know, I I obviously does so. Yeah, if he wa- there's almost nothing to say. If he wants to come back, like hell yeah, let's do it. Do I think he's gonna come back? No, not really. Like I don't know. I it would be a hell of a move if WWE brought him back at Battleground. Just give that pay per view so much credibility, so you could be like, hey, look what you're missing. You really have to subscribe to this network because Brock because Undertaker just showed up on some random pay per view. But then, like, doesn't promoters' logic say if Undertaker's going to show up, you better damn well advertise it, right? Yeah. Um, so that I, my gut instinct is that he's not going to show up. Um, what's your gut instinct tell you, JB? No, my gut instinct is exactly, yeah, exactly the same. It's like, at this point, you know, yeah, I, I'm excited by the idea. Like, there's there's so many great ways they could go with that, especially if they, if he just wants to have, like, a last run here. Like, he could have a huge match with SummerSlam. He could do Survivor Series. Uh, you know, this is the 25th anniversary since his debut with Survivor Series. So I think that would be amazing. And then, you know, kind of run it up to WrestleMania. You know, whether he does anything yeah. after Survivor Series, whatever. Maybe three matches, right? Till his uh, Hall of Fame entry. That's like, that's really what I have in my point. mind. But, yeah. like, who knows? Think, any of that's even possible. Yeah. <laughs> I think he kind of has to show up at Survivor Series, right? I mean, you would think so, right? I mean, it's like, <laughs> that was a huge deal. I mean, you know. Yeah. Maybe he'll show up with Brother Love. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, JB, this leads to... Okay, so we're both under the gut sort of instinct that The Undertaker is not going to show up. So then it just begs the question, at Battleground, what's going to happen in this... We have two things. One is 
Yeah, what that, are they going to do? That's the only good thing they could do at the end of that show. I, I don't know what else they could do unless they like brought in a, a few more Stooges to help Rollins. Which, I, I don't know. I mean, what are you going to do? Like bring bring Seamus in or something? Or I, I don't know. <laughs> the money in the bank is like the most fun thing in the WWE and it's totally a non-issue right now because Seamus has it, you know? Right, and the theory is is that he's going to get the title at some point with it. Why? I I mean, I'd love to see. Honestly, who knows? That's if he gets it's going to it's going to ruin the title if he gets the title. (laughs) Ruin the title, but I don't disagree with you. I I totally know where you're coming from. Well, they they made Uh, the title into a big thing once they unified it. If Sheamus has the title as the Money in the Bank guy. That's going to be tough for people to swallow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But no, demonstrated it. Um, hold on, JB. I'm just killing it at Tinder here. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> um, now, JB, yeah, I don't know how they're going to actually end it. Uh, I have no clue. But... You know, more will unfold as we go into this pay-per-view, and obviously we'll have a podcast where we review the results of that pay-per-view, but one of the other matches that I'm particularly looking forward to is, of course, the Cena-Owen match. And that has really interesting implications for a a few reasons. Is that, one, I'm just going to ramble about my thoughts here for for a little bit. Um, Yeah. Number one is that John Cena's U.S. title reign has been just great. I know my uh, my cohort over there, uh, JB, uh, hates John Cena with all the fiery passions of which I hate women. Um, but uh, uh, I think the title reign has been great. I really take it off in that. Like, any logic, like, like that's where my head goes. Like, like I, so I don't even mind if he retains this title. Number two, Kevin Owens has been looking pretty weak lately, I think. Just on Raw, you know, he lost cleanly to Balor on NXT in not, not match of the year, but maybe performance of the year by Kevin Owens in that match, like, uh, just playing that heel role like perfectly. Um, but regardless, he's been looking like weekly, which means I, which could mean leading him up to a, uh, you know, a U.S. title run. Like obviously him winning the title versus Cena. Um, so I think like that's a complete possibility. The funny thing is, I don't like to say it, but this match seems sort of old. Like, I saw two great matches between them already. Like, I don't really need to see the third. Um, That's just how I feel. I completely agree. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this match, but, you know, it's going to be the second verse, well, third verse technically, but second verse meaning, like, you know, same as the first. Like, it's good seeing it. Um, But I, my gut feeling is that Kevin Owens is going to leave with the title. And which I'm great with. But at the same time, once again, the WWE has this weird situation where I think they're going to 
to do the right move, give Owens the title, when in actuality, like, is it the right move? Like, I don't know. I think Cena's doing a pretty good job with this run, like putting guys over, like giving guys shots, you know, like nice spots on Raw. It'd be great if Owens kept that U.S. Open challenge and the U.S. challenge, U.S. title sort of becomes like the TV title. How cool would that be? Like, I, I'd love to see that happen. But then it puts the, now Cesaro. We're seeing, like, this rise with him where everybody is calling, like, the match that he had with Cena on Raw, that half-hour match, like, match of the year. When I was actually sort of not too high on that match, but, JB, I come from the world of New Japan wrestling. You can't teach me anything, WWE. I've seen Well, yeah, WWE. and from Money Making Manhattan, of course. And from Money Making... Like, the world can't teach me anything. I got the world by the balls. Like, like, like. I, I just don't. You know, I'm, I'm very, I'm not easily impressed. So by that match, you know, I was, and these, these girls on Tinder, that match on Raw. Like, I'm not easily impressed. I can go watch New Japan. I can go to Union Square and. of Cesaro. Um, And I think it's great. But it's just a really awkward situation. Like, I... JV, did I cut out again? Yeah, yeah, you just cut out less, like five seconds. God. Gotta fix this freaking audio. It's so annoying. I hope it's capturing on the. Anyway, sorry, listen. Yeah, I hope but... so too. Um, yeah, I know. No, but yeah. Um, well, yeah. Again, it goes. I, we talked about this last one um, with the rise of Cesaro. Like, is this a real thing or not? Um, the kind of. I I feel like they've. I don't think they've completed straight Owens momentum, but they've definitely put some leaks in it um, with the classic even Steven booking they do. Um, And then, you know, they bring Cesaro and Rusev into this now, and now it's almost become like one of these fucking like the the shitty seven-person intercontinental ladder match they had at WrestleMania. Like it was just shitty. No one cared about anybody. We're almost with this. We're not quite there. I'm not going to go that far with it, but um, I still like Owens. I still like Cesaro. I still like Rusev, but, you know, you got to be careful with that because it just becomes like a big mess after a little while. Yeah. Um, and, you know, again, I'm not completely sold. Like, this is some great prize of Cesaro. Like, I've seen this so many times with these mentor guys, with these guys, they, they get a couple of good weeks in them, and then you don't see him again. Um, obviously, Owen Cena, again, is going to be a good match. Um, but it's, again, like there's nothing going to be that. I don't know. Maybe there will be something that new to it. I don't know. But I'm not looking forward to it as much as I, I was the, the first couple of them. And, you know, to some, I think, you know, WWE takes some of the blame on that. Like they're, they're just not necessarily booking this as strong as it needs to be. And I completely agree. Like, I have completely mixed feelings on it because as much as I've, I've always not liked Cena, 
Um, that Cena open challenge segment is the best thing on Raw week. I think everyone knows that. Everyone agrees with that. Even if you don't like Cena, like you'd be a fool not to say that. Um, a damn so, fool. Yeah, you'd be a fool not to say that. So, um, uh, so I don't know. I mean, the, the thing, I think it's obvious they have to give the title to Owens. That's my gut feeling. They just have to do it. He just looks better with some gold around him. Um, certainly goes well with his persona. Goes well with a lot of people's persona, you could say. But uh, <laughs> it goes well with his persona. And, uh, and you know, what I, I think would be funny is if uh, Cena just took the Intercontinental title and just did the same thing with it. And you could do the same thing with it and elevate that title too. So, um, you know, that's fantasy booking, but uh, whatever. Um, It'd be very funny if Cena just went <laughs> and won the yeah. Intercontinental. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and just did the same thing, like the exact same gimmick. That'd be great. Yeah, yeah, no, it'd be great, and it would like, like you know, you know, it would show just how influential he is. I think, which yeah, you, yeah, that would appeal to him, and it would really put him over, JB. Yeah, yeah, well, kind of. he needs putting over, <laughs> right? <laughs> That's basically what Michael um, Cole's whole career is putting over John Cena. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. One thing I forgot to mention in that Divas division was that Michael Cole like didn't know that Charlotte's end move was called the figure eight. I know that's a real minor thing, but like it's he, one does, of, it's he like, didn't even know that um, that Becky what Becky Lynch was doing. He didn't even know to call that an armbar. Like he's like does not call moves. Period. him so much, you know, but, uh, like, yeah, yeah, I don't know, whatever. Um, but, but anyway, yeah, I hope it doesn't, I'm right with you. And I know, um, you know, like a criticism of the podcast could be that we agree too much, but I do like, I agree with you completely. Like this has the, the possibility of turning into like a complete mess, like is completely there. Um, but I do like to see, like, they really need to get back to the days of having, you know, male managers. Are you with me on this? Like uh, like the great Truth Martini. Sure, sure. Like Truth Martini from ROH or um, uh, the Sinister Minister from uh, uh, the days of yore in TNA. But, like, that's part of the reason why I like – I don't like Xavier Woods. I think Xavier Woods is the most annoying person. Like, like, like I remember, like, I I just can't stand him for some – he's the type of guy, like, in in the business, doesn't shut up the whole time, and then you leave the meeting an hour later, and and you didn't get anything done because that idiot didn't shut up, like, saying fluff. The, the whole like like that's Xavier Woods to me, but like I think the reason why that New Day group works a lot of it is because he sort of acts like the manager character, you know. Um. Yeah. And yeah. I, well. Yeah. And he's it was okay. So that's interesting. You you came around on that because he's like an internet hero <laughs> for all the funny shit no, he says on the outside of the ring. Like don't get me wrong. 
I, I know what you're saying. I didn't come around on that. Like, I still don't like Xavier Woods, but I'm smart enough to see the dynamic in the group, you know? Right, right. Got you. How it's sort of playing out. And I think that I don't know why they just don't go full manager with Xavier Woods because Kofi and this is a huge tangent, but Kofi and Big E are awesome together as a tag team. And I think that tag team loses so much steam. Xavier Woods. It'd be great. Like Xavier Woods being like his hype man and talking for him and everything. And I know you're going to say they did that with Heyman, but that was such a half-assed, like, weird attempt, like, just, like, placeholder, like, filler until he was back with Brock, you know? Um, right, right. It, so so I'm not sure. I just would have liked to see Cesaro with maybe, like, a manager. There's somebody out there that's a really powerful combination um, that you could I do with I remember when... Cesaro. when... Cesaro, the the WrestleMania, the Raw after WrestleMania, said that I'm a Paul Heyman guy. I t- I remember clearly texting you and saying this is the greatest moment of my life. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> because I was you're, so you're... into Cesaro at the time, and I was yeah. so oh, I obviously always been into Paul Heyman. That I thought yeah, it was yeah. like the perfect but combination. A, but what a stupid fucking build for that gimmick you know it started out as shit yeah yeah the outcome was good but they couldn't say that's like just someone announcing oh i'm a paul Heyman guy oh i'm married to kelly like 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 why did you no you know you know what's interesting about that i think what's really interesting about that is that you could say that that is a that is a perfect situation where the wwe just understands a bigger picture better than like a normal wrestling Mm -hmm. fan like a well even like a big time wrestling fan like us like how do you say like, like Paul Heyman needs to be reserved as the mouthpiece for Brock Lesnar. Yeah, and doesn't need yeah. to do anything else. Like that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like branching him out into other things is not a good idea. And you know, I, like at the time, like I thought that was just the greatest thing ever, but it wasn't. Like that, it didn't work. And there's a number of reasons why it didn't work, but uh, like Heyman. Just with Lesnar, that's it. Like, there's no reason to do anything more with that. Yeah, yeah. And Heyman and Lesnar are such, like, a powerful combination together. Like, like Lesnar could really... I think Lesnar could hold his own, like, going out there, like, better than Cesaro, in a way. Because Lesnar just has, like, this intimidating physical presence. He's got, like, this crazy charisma. Um, Like, I mean... He's really special. Like, Lesnar's a really special case of anybody in, like, WWE history. Extremely special case. I mean, he can run entire companies. He's not just, like, a promoter. You know what I mean? He's like, he's like, but pairing them together is just unbelievable, you know? So why dilute them, you know, taking them apart? They're just perfect together. But the point is, there's got to be, there's a manager out there like that for... Cesaro, definitely. They're just so against the idea of having male managers, like, but but they shouldn't. Well, he know? did. He um, did have one. He had he had Zub Coulter. Yeah, and that did that work? I don't know. Oh, I thought it worked. I mean, for what it was, it worked. I mean, like, not necessarily you know main event get him over type thing worked, but yeah. it got him over. People were really into that for a while. 
that was such a weird we the people because I mean he's Swiss and every it was right. pretty yeah, they were really you trying know, to like, put some pieces in there. It didn't make sense. Yeah, but yeah. WWE, they're just racist. Like, oh, he's kind of white, you know, so he can be in this, like, kind of white. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I remember, you remember there was, like, that one shoot YouTube interview. It was, like, I forget one of, like, the Fox News commentators or something, like, said something racist about, about like, the WWE. I don't know what it was, but it was, like, um, then do you remember, like, Zeb Coulter and Jack Swagger, like, cut a promo? And Zeb Coulter went, like, completely shoot. And, um... Right, right. Invited... He, he killed Kayfabe once again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he invited, um, like, that Fox News... Jimmy, you you got to know this. Like, what happened? You don't remember? Yeah, I think it was some sort of... I think it was some sort of Glenn Beck thing. Something, yeah, something happened there. It was Glenn Beck who said something like that about Mexican or something ridiculous. Then, um, no, but he did. Me- he thought that the whole thing was like making fun of the Tea Party or something like that. And we, you know, which it was. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. Oh, it was a very direct call out of the WWE. Like Glenn Beck was said, "How can you make fun of the Tea Party like this on WWE?" Right? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, and, and I think I. You know, and I'm not sure if it was Glenn Beck. It was somebody on Fox News, probably Glenn Beck, Glenn Beck, if I remember correctly. But he said something about how, yeah, like that, and then, like, without any idea of, like, pro wrestling as, like, a, like a right, right. kind of performance <laughs> yeah, yeah. art, or, you know, yeah. art a little strong, but... <laughs> right, right. But, uh, like, no I remember... idea. No, no ability to yeah. contextualize it. Like, nothing. Right, right. But do you remember that video that Zeb Coulter and Jack Swagger made? Please. Yeah. Oh, that. yeah. I totally remember that. Yeah. Okay. And it was like, yeah, it's a yeah, fire back at that. The funniest thing about that video is that Zeb Coulter completely broke character, right, and started talking in like his regular voice or whatever. Um, right. The people at the end. And I remember just thinking that's the funniest thing I've ever ever heard because it was supposed to be like this shoot interview, but Jack Swagger wasn't kayfabe the whole time. Like maybe he <laughs> didn't actually agree with Zeb Coulter. He <laughs> he agreed with his gimmick and the kayfabe. <laughs> so we uh, really got a few minutes left, right? Yeah. So let me ask you. So our our, uh, our Saturday night plans for SummerSlam weekend are, uh, are have been confirmed today. We will be at the uh, the big NXT Takeover show in Brooklyn. Um, but just want to you know throw this out there. There's a lot of things going on in the area that weekend. You got the Friday Philly ROH New Japan show Saturday night in Brooklyn, you know, the NXT show that we're going to go to, and then the ROH Brooklyn show. Jim, let me interrupt you. Jim, let me just interrupt you here for a second. Is that we've had, like, quite a a bunch of listeners lately. I'm going to somehow, like, just put a picture of us up, like, you and me, and uh, feel free, like, at these shows during that weekend, like, we'll probably be at the ROH and NXT to come up and say hi. Like, we're we're very friendly people. We'd love to 
to to talk to everyone. Um, that's just an aside. Like we'll, we'll remind you in the upcoming weeks to that weekend. But uh, uh, definitely, you know, tweet at us. Let us know you're going to be there. Uh, we'd be, you know, totally happy to talk. My Twitter is uh, Shane Winter fourteen. Uh, that's Shane Winter fourteen. A Twitter, Jim. Your Twitter is just Jim Carr. And there you go. But uh, Jim Carr, in the last, we have a minute, about a minute, 30 seconds, but we're, uh, you wanted to discuss, we're going to the NXT Brooklyn show, and what else uh, are we going to do? Well, just, you know, it's up it's up against a very interesting show. They're, they're doing everything they can in ROH to, to do a big show uh, that same night. Uh, you know, they had booked that uh, Brooklyn uh, stadium that same night, um, and just uh, NXT has come in. I, I feel like pretty much just anything that they can get they can draw there at that show but I, I don't know do you believe that or no I mean it sort of seems like it's not happening right what's that if we go down to Philly that's probably not happening right um I you know I, I kind of doubt it but I'm saying the uh, I, well I'd like to and it's still up in the air. But I'm saying the um how ROH booked that, that stadium in Brooklyn a while yeah, ago. The Cyclone Stadium at Coney Island, yeah. Yeah, and now NXT has come in and taken over the Barclays Center and uh you know, we got in on a pre sale today and that's like the pre pre sale and most yeah. of the first levels already sold out. So like how, how do you think ROH is gonna deal with that? Like I, I feel like they're they're being like out that market almost. No, I think they'll still have time. Well, Jamie, we we don't have time to talk about this. My my goal is they're gonna b- blow out the stadium. I'm thinking like 15k buys. All right, good night, everyone. Good night. <laughs>